Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket, the podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try it for free at LogRocket.com today. My name is Paul, and joined with us is Ankita Konkarni. Ankita is a developer, a teacher, leader, and conference speaker. Ankita has spent 10 plus years in tech and has worked at big name companies such as IBM and consulted for a variety of others such as Tim Hortons, Burger King, and Popeyes. Ankita has also a variety of courses and has taught over 10,000 students online. That's a lot of students. So welcome to the show, Ankita. Look forward to talking about React and re-rendering. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I'm really excited to be here. My name is Ankita Kulkarni, and I've been working in tech for over a decade. I'm really passionate about helping developers level up in their engineering careers, but I'm also at the intersection of front-end and leadership, having become like very senior technical solution architect and getting really technical in my career and then switching to leadership, but I have a passion for both. So I'm like at the intersection of the two. Last year, I decided to take my passion for teaching and decided to become a full-time creator educator. So I create a bunch of different courses, eBooks, digital products, and things like that. And I also have a newsletter that also helps devs level up in their engineering careers in general that you can check out as well if you want and on my website. So yeah, I have a course on Next.js and I have a bunch of free content as well that I'm extremely passionate about to provide to all the listeners. The topic we're going to get into today is related to performance. We're talking about re-rendering. If you're getting into React for the first time, I don't even know if you might have faced problems with re-rendering per se. Ankita, could you maybe inform those who might not be familiar? What is re-rendering and why is it something we're talking about? For sure, yeah. When you get introduced to React, you think about, okay, how do you create components? And then slowly and steadily, as your app gets bigger and bigger and you start to scale it, You need to think about, okay, how do those components get repainted on the screen in response to the state that we have? Every re-render in React is caused by a state change. So re-rendering in general is basically React to know the difference between what to repaint on the screen and what has changed. And the way React does that is using state. We don't have to tell React, hey, change this specific node in the DOM. We basically tell React, change the specific state and React does its job of figuring out what changes and what the differences are. So I can get into a little bit more too, but yeah, that would be like a good intro for like, as you get more and more comfortable with React after going through the basics of components and understanding how they all work, you need to understand how React works internally to be able to understand how it re-renders and you can take advantage of performance down the line that we'll talk about as well. I think that's one thing that was difficult for me to wrap my head around with React when I first started tooling with it, which is that it's literally like re-rendering like an animation framework. It's a video that's being played 60 plus frames a second. And every single frame, it's doing a bunch of computations, doing a bunch of stuff. And React has a bunch of ways for us to tackle that. I'm not super familiar with it. And I'm excited to get into that and talk about some of these considerations that you might want to take. Like one of them that I have can search up on Google really quick, like how to make React fast, use Memo. Okay, so use Memo is something out there that we can use. And I'm curious to talk about what use Memo does because there's a lot of 
memes that I've seen about use memo <laughs> shooting you in the foot, <laughs> blowing up your application or something like that. So there must be a variety of hooks and things that you might want to code defensively to tackle re-rendering. Could we maybe get into some of those? Yeah, I think one thing I would definitely like to like back up a little bit just to give an example, which kind of like lay the foundation of all our conversation entirely. Even if you think whenever a component re-renders, one of the things is that it also re-renders all its descendants, right? And so let's say if you have an example of a parent app component, which is the container, and it has a child called as a counter, it's a simple counter application. You can increment the count and you can decrement the count and things like that. And then as a descendant of counter is a magical number that just displays whenever we increment the count in general. Let's say you're editing something, you basically see a timeline. Every re-render is essentially a snapshot of what the application UI looks like at that specific given moment. So if you take like, like a photo of it and then change something and take a photo of it, that's exactly what React does to compare the two snapshots and things like that. And as part of that, there are a bunch of different like hooks such as use memo, use callback, pure components and things like that too. But I would say like as a first step, you need to really understand that re-render only affects the components that will own the states is a common misconception. For example, like if if you do have a descendant, it's also going to re-render in this case counter. For example, like use memo and pure components and things like that to kind of avoid some of the, those re-rendering in general. But then the point of for React is to figure out what needs to change, right? And like, how can we capture that snapshot so that something else doesn't change? How does use memo help us create one of these snapshots per se to say we want to re-render less to like make the application faster? Less re-rendering means less work going on. Yeah. Let's say if you use react.memo, it will allow us to ignore certain re-render requests. In that counter example that I talked about, let's say we were to add like a logo on top and we're rendering that logo in the counter example itself. We can wrap the logo inside React Memo so that it doesn't get re-rendered every time when the counter changes. Because again, react.memo will allow us to memoize the state. So you're like caching it. You're saying that doesn't matter if the counter state changes or not, you shouldn't re-render over and over again. You can also make it pure component as well, just so that you know exactly, for example, how React works and what to memoize and what not to memoize. A React com- component is considered pure if it renders the same output for the same state and props. That's another way of making sure that your component doesn't re-render over and over again because you are wrapping it up in react.memo or react.pure components so that, again, you're preventing it because it doesn't need it. For example, in our case, logo. We don't need to re-render a logo over and over again because it doesn't have any state. It doesn't need to and things like that. So what a pure component, could you say it's an independent component? Every time you give it the same input, it has the same exact output. Exactly. So if you think of a really big application, we would have so many of these pure components where if you give the input, it will give you the exact same output. Now, in that case, we can just memoize those because they're not going to change state unless we like pass a specific dynamic variable state change and things like that. They're not going to change state. So we can wrap it in a big application. You will start to see a huge difference because it has so many pure components in general. And that's how React would also understand it to not 
touch that specific component if you don't need to. What's another hook that people might want to use or look at the documentation for besides use memo to effectively cache the state of a component? I would say another hook would be maybe like use callback as well. So use callback would serve the same purpose as use memo, but it's specifically for functions. So for example, I think we all love dark mode as developers. And let's say you were to implement like a dark mode functionality on your website. You can think of it like we all probably, if you have implemented dark mode before, we all probably have this custom hook that we have created that says, is dark mode or not? And set the toggle to whatever it might be. For example, the function that we create to set the toggle to true or false, depending on the value, whether it's dark mode or not, we can easily use callback for that so that we are reducing the number of time a component needs to re-render and React needs to do as little as possible to draw the UI. Mm -hmm. And again, if you think of it like use callback serves the same purpose as use memo, but use callback is specifically for functions, whereas use memo is for arrays and objects and things like that. So for example, if you have functions, you don't want them to re-render over and over again. Same thing we talked about because there's not much of a change, right? Unless the dependencies change. Can you maybe give us an example of a function and how using use callback might be dangerous or a bad choice to use? Because I know it can be, I'm not really sure how to outline an example. Could you blow up the memory? Could you blow up the CPU of the browser? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think like you might have noticed infinite re-renders and your application, kind of like your browser window just crashes because you're not sure because you're totally using a dependency that keeps changing and it does an infinite re-render at that point. And in that case, you need to be really careful. When you think of performance in general, what you need to think about is if you have like a small application, you don't necessarily need to think too much about performance, right? Because React is going to do its job, but then when the application gets really big, it's massive, we have so many different components, that's when you have to pick and choose in terms of which components you want to monitor, which components you might want to change and tweak and add use callback and use memo and things like that. Or if there's a component, for example, a logo, that's not going to change at all. Your logo is going to stay the same. You can add, make it a pure component or memoize it and things like that, right? But I don't want to complicate it by saying, add a use callback and use memo in every single component and over-architect it because that's not the point of performance. With performance, you need to think about like, you start to see that the application is growing. Let's say you're using forms and it's creating a lot of re-renders and you're noticing the speed is getting a little slow. That's when you start digging into use callback and use memo and things like that just to mm -hmm. then understand and you know what you're getting into because otherwise React is going to do a good job out of the box to not handle it mainly for you. Another thing I would also add is in terms of performance, you want to make sure that you're also testing in production too because in development mode, you're going to see that the app is slow and things like that. But in production, test on an actual like real device on a slower network and see how your app performs to see the impact of performance in general. Making calls across actual network boundaries is totally different than making a call to your local database profoundly different. Exactly. Like they add up, they stack up exponentially. 
And then we have so many other tools such as React Profiler from the React Dev Tools. So if you install React Dev Tools inside Chrome or Firefox, right, you can use the profiler just to capture that snapshot to understand and monitor if that specific component is changing. Oh, interesting. Okay. So for example, you asked me about use callback. When would we see it start to become a problem? I would say that install React Dev Tools, go to profiler. There are two options. One is make sure that you are in production mode, right? And you're testing things on maybe lower end hardware and things like that. But there are two properties inside React Profiler to make sure that it highlights. Mm -hmm. There's a checkbox there. You need to can highlight the re-render. So anytime the application, anytime the component re-render is going to highlight it for you. Oh, you can visually see. Exactly. And we have learned that a lot of educators right now are teaching things visually because just in general as developers, we love to see things visually. And that's a really good example to see that visually, see which components re-render. And you're like, why is this pure component re-rendering? Or why is it logo re-rendering? Just as an example, right? There are other pure components too. And you can see that and then dig into it and fix it. But being aware of these hooks and what they do and when to use them is like key to learning more about performance. In addition to the React profiler that you've been suggesting, I'd love to dig in a little bit more into that. But for any front-end developers or full-stack developers, honestly, out there who are looking to solve some issues that they might have in their application or really bring their application to the next level, I'd like to remind our listeners that the podcast is brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket offers session replay so you can see what your users are doing, issue tracking, and product analytics to help you quickly surface and solve impactful issues affecting your user experience. With LogRocket, you can find and solve issues faster, improve conversion and adoption, and spend just more of your time building a better product and less time debugging. If you were going to step into using React Profiler, one thing that excites me about that, and when you're like, it's visual, a lot of people are doing visual experiences. I read this interesting article about how we as humans just process things visually faster. We can read text and it's effective and it's simple. But man, if you can paint a picture, it speaks a thousand words and that's is so corny, but it's true. So this tool you're talking about, is this flashing? If you got a re-render problem, what I see like flashing on the screen of it highlighting and going over and over like a siren almost. Exactly. And I think I would love to go back to the point you made very early when we started off this conversation was the timeline and animation and you kind of see like a video. That's exactly what a profiler does. It will flash for you whatever re-render occurs. So you know which component is re-rendering. So it's going to give you that flash. I'd like So you can successfully avoid re-rendering in those cases. You can record it, right? For example, do a bunch of things, click around on the screen. You can record it. And as you record it, it will take snapshots for you. Kind of like you said about recording a video every time, right? Yeah, like the session replay. Exactly. For example, like, not sure if you've done snapshot testing before. That's also like another way of thinking of this too, where whenever you're testing a component, you basically pass in a bunch of state and however you want to test the component and you take a snapshot. So you have exactly the output of what the component will look like and its entire DOM and things like that. Now, if you were to make changes again in the state and the component is re-rendering all the time, the snapshot is going to fail because it's no longer the snapshot that we were testing with, right? Which is another good way of, I just want to call our testing here, another good way of testing out if, the component is kind of like re-rendering all the time so that it's more 
automated, right? And you're writing tests for it as well. Speaking of testing, is doing analysis of your application. I mean, everybody's familiar with Lighthouse and the great utility it provides us as web developers, but it doesn't do everything. Specifically from your perspective, Ankita, what does Lighthouse do and what doesn't it do with respect to like performance and how well your website is organized and built? For sure, yeah. So like Lighthouse would is a great tool. It would give you these different metrics in terms of how accessible your app is or how performant your app is and will give you kind of like a score for it. But it's a really basic, it's a starter thing to do, right? Like, yes, I want to run the Lighthouse test just to make sure what the score is. And it will sometimes definitely give you suggestions to improve it. And like Google Web Dev Insights also helps with that too. But what it wouldn't do is wouldn't tell you the entire picture for why it is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what happens is Lighthouse evaluates performance on a single page load, which might not completely reflect the user's journey, user interactions, subsequent page loads, and things like that, which all would contribute to overall performance of your application. Lighthouse necessarily won't do that. I think it's a good start to use Lighthouse, but I don't think it should represent performance in its entirety because performance is way more than that. So I would say like test on hardware that are not really fast iPhone apps, right? Or like iPhones or like test on different devices, test on a slower network and things like that. And I think that would show you why performance is really important because if you think about it, like we, we're talking about performance because we want apps to be fast because our users are not going to care about what libraries or frameworks are using in the background. All they're going to care about is I want this app to be really fast. Yeah, they don't care. I want my data that I need. Right. And that's why I feel Lighthouse is a great start, but testing it and making sure the user experience is intact is another thing. Would you call that an end-to-end test if you were to like take the phone and go load it up on a slow network? I think so. I would say like end-to-end test, integration testing and things that too. There's a huge debate about end-to-end test versus integration tests and things that, which I don't want to get into right now. But I think that it's important, right? Like how does our user see the app in their hands and on different devices? Because we might be having the fastest network and the fastest device possible, but that doesn't represent all users when it comes to performance. The tricky thing is too, if you take a device and then you go out in the field and you find that your console on your application is slow. It's like, okay, I found this out. I can see in the profile or maybe something's re-rendering. Maybe I can see in the network something's going on. But like digging down and figuring out the different bits and pieces, the nuts and bolts about why something is slow is really complex. Like you said, it's performance. It's not just one little piece. It's a whole field just for this one framework we're talking about, React, you know, love it or hate it. Yeah. Out of the courses that you've put out, which ones do you think tightly correlate with what we're talking about right now if we want to get into performance and the details of React and these hooks we're talking about? One is a free course. Another one is a paid course that I would talk about. But I would say like the free course, like React server components are really a hot topic right now mm-hmm. because with Next.js 13, React server components are have been introduced and how we render components on the server are a really big deal right now because then we don't have to render things on the client anymore. We can just render it on the server. I have a free 
course on just React Server components and talking to you and discussing about how React Server components work and some of the advanced best practices as well in terms of that, which would give you a good starter. And again, it's on the basis of Next.js 13, which is still experimental right now, but hopefully soon it's not going to be anymore, which is great. And the other course is that Next.js is the course that I have worked on Mm -hmm. that will teach you, we build like two really cool apps. One is like a coffee store app that you can discover coffee stores. And second is like a Netflix, which like gives you a real world example of what it takes to build a production ready app in Next.js. I think one thing that's great about Next.js 13 is it's almost like people are going to be forced to use server components because it's now the default. Like we've always been able to use them. Yeah. But now it's the default. If you use the uh, app directory, right? Yeah. And you get thrown right into it if you haven't messed around with the whole client versus server paradigm and like making that choice. Exactly. In fact, I have a demo and that's literally what I do to introduce people to React Server Component, just like Flash. This is a server component and by default, right? Or this is a client component and like you're going to render things in the client. For example, if you add a used client director, on top. But by default, everything is a server component. If you install React Dev Tools, you can see also like the bundle and see which components get included in the bundle versus not to tell you oh, which components are on the server versus on the client, which is another cool thing about performance in general. You have a smaller bundle, which again helps when you are showing that to the users. What would you offer people who want to set out on this journey in terms of tools to look at, in terms of resources to look at, and uh, just areas that you find people might overlook in the 10,000 plus students you've helped go through on their journey as developers? I've seen a lot of developers overlook an understanding of how React re-renders. And I think that's the big gist of it. I wish I could provide more and be like, here, these are all the advanced best practices that you can work on to improve your performance over the next few months. But I think we really need to understand how React re-renders, how to use those hooks and to leverage to the best of your ability. This way you have a set of really powerful tools at hand and you can understand if this is something that you should be using or not, because having that knowledge is really powerful in general. But the second thing I would also say is really dig into React Profiler and get a really visual understanding. Because when you see things, you'll suddenly have built that empathy for performance in general. Totally. And lastly, I would say that when you start working with React in general, exposed to a new code base, don't think of performance once it becomes a bottleneck. Don't think of it as an afterthought. Think of it beforehand and start building these practices from the get-go. You don't have to over-optimize it by making every component a pure component or try to extract everything out, all the state out to the container or things like that. But what you need to do is really have a good understanding of how all this works so that you don't treat it like an afterthought and once it becomes a bottleneck. Because what I've seen is that when the application gets massive, and I've been in those code bases where we have so many different React components, and suddenly this one page, it's really slow. And we look at the back end and the APIs are not slow. It's actually the front end bundle that's really slow. Mm-hmm. We went to figure out which component re-renders and why is there an infinite render and things like that. 
was really challenging. So what we did at the time was really use React Profiler to figure out the component that was the culprit in that case, really, which component was re-rendering, and then investigated its dependencies in every hook to see which one should change, which one isn't changing. So like really auditing that would really help you build a solid foundation as well. But again, this goes back to, I think it's like a sort of, we are in a loop, right? It goes back to, yes, you before we get there, really we need to understand why it's happening, how React works, why it re- renders, so that we can build that empathy for performance and really um, know what we're doing when we see React Profiler and things like that. Love or hate React, like their docs are well known to be like a very well put together set of tools for you to go over and learn about React and how it re-renders. Um, Are there any other resources that you might suggest? I know, for example, the JavaScript event loop. Everybody knows that one talk that's 26 minutes on YouTube that shows how the event loop works. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's the one talk you got to go search up. I wonder if you have any other resources that you found very effective for learning these fundamentals. The one resource that I love to look at, and I know this was, I think, in 2018 or 2019, Josh Kong has a talk on React animations and saving the web 15 milliseconds at a time. That talk is really good. That will give you a good understanding of performance. That's a great title. Yeah, which is amazing because he talks about how animations impact performance and how we can you know, change simple things like even accordion to use CSS versus React to tweak performance, which is like these little details. I think that talk is like really good for performance in general. But also I would say like we talked about use memo, use callback and how we as developers need to handle it all and have to build a solid understanding in general. But the React teams right now is working on it so that we don't have to do that. And they are experimenting and I believe testing right now so that Hmm. it all becomes part of React and we don't have to think about it as much as we do right now because we do need to think about, right? Like, where are we declaring state? How does that state impact all the descendants components? Which components to make pure components or not? Or which, when to use callback, use memo? There's a lot of confusion in the React community for it. So the React team is working on that. I know they're testing, so that might happen. It might not. Who knows? But that is something to watch out for as well, just to see what happens there. We still need to know about it, but we don't have to think about it as much as we do right now. Is there anything that you're planning in the future for your courses or any of the content that you're putting out? I am really passionate about performance, so I am planning on working a course on React performance. But I think the best way to keep an eye on it is just check out my newsletter where I do share things, snippets visually and teach developers in general. So things like use callback, use memo and things like that. Just like in a very simple, less than five minutes a day kind of thing. So like definitely check that out. But then the other course that I'm working on right now is to help developers level up in their engineering careers and become leaders if they are interested in doing or just like openly talking about that topic too. Because again, there was not a clear path for me when I was transitioning and I kind of dabbled into it and figured out by finding the right mentors and hiring the right coaches and things like that. But that is something that I'm passionate about as well. And I have a course coming out on helping developers transition into leadership. What was the address one more time, the web address? It's developer developertoleader.com. developertoleader.com. 
My Twitter handle is kulkarniyankira9, but also the best way to know what I'm up to is also like my newsletter. I have created a special link just for pod rocket. So like you can just go to kulkarniyankira.com slash pod rocket and like whatever links we talked about, I have like added all in there so that the listeners can just go there. And it's easy for them as well. Awesome. And we can provide that link in the show notes as well for people to click and copy and paste. Well, thank you for your time, Ankita, talking about performance and some of the utilities, tools, and other things available just in Native React to help us you know, tackle that problem. For sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was lovely being here. <laughs>